Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Success Insight podcast. Our guest today is Russell Pearson. Russell is not only a business strategist, he is a designer, a professional speaker, a board member, the president of a major professional speakers association. He is a comedian, a publisher, an artist, and the one I really want to know a lot about, a blacksmith. I mean, I don't know how he has time to do all the things he's doing, but I'm so glad he's on the podcast today to to join us. So, Russell, welcome. Thank you very much, Howard. It's great to be here. What I'd love to do is, first of all, share with our our listeners, uh, Russell is half a world away from me right now. He's in beautiful uh, Brisbane, Australia, so it's Tuesday morning there. Well, I'm actually in Melbourne, Australia, and yes, it is Tuesday morning, so I'm I'm calling from the future. (laughs) How's it looking? (laughs) uh, It's looking pretty good. Yeah, it's looking like a beautiful day. Excellent. You know, I just realized why I had said uh, Brisbane is... I'm getting a lot of guests now on the podcast uh, from Australia, so of an author coming on. And so you're Melbourne. I haven't been able to get to Melbourne yet, but hey, now that you and I know each other, I have another reason to get back to Australia. So thank you so much. We'd love to have you. Yeah. So uh, the future is looking good? It is. It's looking fantastic. Uh, we're corona-free here. No, no, we're not. <laughs> but the, the, the future is fantastic. In fact, Brisbane and Queensland is a beautiful area of Australia, and most people go and retire there. So it's, it's the Florida, I think, of Australia. What is there? The uh, was it called the Sunshine Coast? Is that what it is? That's those, right. Yeah, yeah. Those big That's right. It's warmer weather. Lots of beaches. Everyone walks along the beach in the morning. I remember that. Now, are, are they allowed to walk uh, along the beach in the morning these days in Australia? I think if they saw, well, there's certain beaches that are closed, but they're more your your big congregation beaches because everyone just went there when they were supposed to. <laughs> there's like hundreds of people on the beach, but things have changed. Yeah, in uh, the U.S. and some of our major cities out. In in Boston and Michigan, which is one state over from where I'm at here in Chicago, out on the West Coast, Southern California. In some of the places, there are stay-at-home warnings. Do not venture out, stay covered and an acceptable distance away. And everybody's just like, hey, it's warm weather, we're going out. Is that happening in Australia as well? It's happening a bit. We really have started to lock down. People are sort of getting on on the bandwagon and, and, and getting very clear, and it is making a difference. But not every state has the same rules, and I think that's the same in the US, is that every state has things a little bit differently. So there's a bit of a, a state of origin going on where people are a little frustrated because of their situation. I can appreciate that, and I, I think it's not to put a sour note on, the, on today's podcast, but I think it's going to come back to haunt us. But that's another story, I think. Well, yeah, it's worth talking about because it's an environment of change. This is the this is the space that we're in right now. It's 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 real. <laughs> we can't pretend it's not happening, and it's global. So it, it's changing the way things are operating. Yeah, you know, and, and what you and I are doing right now, we're on a podcast. You have a podcast, the Marketing Report podcast. We've been doing Success Insight since. February of last year. And with the advent of this corona pandemic, this crisis, I see more and more people across a lot of platforms suddenly retooling themselves or re-envisioning how they deliver their work, their brilliance. Are you seeing that down in, in, in your neck of the woods? 
Oh, completely. I come from the events industry. I do a lot of professional speaking and, you know, I've been national president for our professional speakers association here in Australia. And that entire industry is like events in particular got smashed from, from day dot. When the, the first announcement came out was to uh, stop having over 500 people events. And so that already destroyed our industry. And uh, the next one was the travel industry and everything that came after it. But everybody is completely reinventing themselves and it's interesting some of some of them are reinventing themselves forward and some of them reinventing themselves backward which is actually not a bad thing they're kind of getting back to what made them great in the first place all those little things that they stopped doing when they became successful what are some examples of the looking backwards that you can share a lot of these successful people, uh, because most of them are professional speakers themselves, they're thought leaders in their area of expertise, they got successful originally through consistent work and relationships. So in the early days, they would have um, maybe done three to five free talks a week to get themselves to a point where people were requesting to hear them speak and actually hear their knowledge and would pay for it. They're now getting to this point where they're having to do the same thing online and they're now doing a lot of these free events and probably working harder than they've ever worked probably in the last 10 years and and rediscovering opportunities that were there, but they've been pushing away because, you know, there was only so much work they could do. So that's on one side. The other uh, the other side is just talking to people more often. The, the remoteness sort of lends itself to giving people a call, Zoom calls, you know, on online video conferencing. And, and they're just calling people more often. And so they're calling people more often, asking them how they're going. That's the best thing you can ever do if you're trying to develop your existing customers. Uh, asking them how they're going creates opportunity. And one of the things we've always sort of said in this industry is know when to say no. And that usually become, when you're successful, you can start saying no to things and get very clear about what it is you're trying to achieve. But now some of those successful people are actually saying, I'm speaking to my clients of what they, what they need. And when they say, can you do this thing? I'm saying yes. <laughs> so uh, they're getting back to basics and trying not to lose themselves in the process. Is the getting the back to basics and, and saying yes, is that coming in the form of a free or a pro bono opportunity? Or is there money still out there to make that investment for you know your folks to, yeah, I can do this? Well, yeah. In some cases, there there is a bit more of that free work going on. But on, on the flip side, there's this great evolution of the removal of the product. So uh, especially bureaus globally have tended to look at a speaker and say, you know, what's the label on their can? You know, what's, what is the product that I'm selling? And that they would sell product style. And now is the time for not selling that. Now is the time for selling sort of service and doing that real discovery work in sales to ask the deeper questions about what do you need? And then then not look in your, your kit bag and say, all right, do I have that thing? And if the answer is no, then the answer is no. It's actually to say, can I develop that thing for you and with you? And that's where the, the opportunity is where the money still is because budgets are still there. There's still managers that need to manage their budgets. And if they don't use their budgets, they will tend to lose those budgets in the coming year. So there are especially corporate managers looking to to keep those budgets, but, but invested in a place that's going to be of value. So working with those experts, working with those speakers, uh, finding a place of value where they can keep delivering the results of what they delivered, but maybe in a different way. Is there any industry that you're seeing has really taken this on as a challenge. Okay, what do we need to do? How do we maybe not say, how do we prepare for it? I mean, down here in, in the States, in Texas, there was a company that they were a, a grocery store and they were affected by the a virus. I think it was the 
swine flu virus, which was a long time ago. But somehow they prepared for it so that if something like this ever happens again, they were going to be able to adapt very quickly to reinvent how they did things. In Australia, in, in your communities, in, in this, you know, the major cities, and as you go into uh, the country, are you seeing any examples where companies are reinventing how they have traditionally delivered their product or service and do now doing it in a new way? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there are. It's basically anybody who's still in business that used to have trade come into their doors. They, if they're still in business, they have reinvented themselves. Uh, I saw one just this morning uh, on some social media where uh, a high tea company who usually had people come to them and have high tea, like the little sandwiches and pies and things that you would have, they've now created these hamper boxes and they've moved into the hamper business and so they're doing deliveries of all that sort of stuff. So they're, they're, that's just one example. But a conversation I had last week about this exact point is, should we be looking at contingencies as, as far as like how do we adapt if something goes wrong? Like what do we need to do? Uh, let's say, for instance, we've all changed to digital then what happens when you know major parts of the cloud go down, maybe terrorism, whatever it might be, that affects the digital business. And then the discussion ended up getting to a place where it's not about, yes, yes, look at contingencies where you can, you know, military do in strategy, but it's about the adaptability, your ability to, to change very quickly. And no matter what comes, that's actually the skill that people are working on the most. And I think that's the most effective. Very interesting. Here in the States, I think the businesses that have adapted one, a lot of our grocery stores have adapted. And, and on one hand, I, I don't know how it is in, in Australia, but our grocery store workers, they're not exactly the highest paid workers. In fact, there's there's fights across this country in our various states, whether we should be paying them a higher minimum wage. And I think this crisis comes at a time where, you know, these workers are critical. And I tell you, we should not be paying them a minimum wage anymore because they're putting food on the table. And so they've adapted, you know, they've got, they've created processes to clean the carts, to keep everybody six feet apart. The restaurants have adapted. They're now doing full on carry out. So you literally drive out up to the restaurant and you pick up your food and you've paid for it online. So you've got an online transaction, you give them your name. And so those, those kinds of adaptions. And a friend of mine, a couple of friends work for a furniture manufacturer of office furniture. And when I go back to face-to-face, if indeed I do, I coach people one-on-one across the table. And I don't know about you, but when you have a meeting, I don't know, will you be leery about having that first one-on-one meeting with a potential client? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I want a big board table in between the two of us. <laughs> Maybe. Could be, yeah, it's, it's six foot long. They have these um, plexiglass dividers. And I thought, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And now all you have to do is just mm. clean it up after. But I, I, I think what we're seeing is, is companies are learning to adapt. And much like the service provider, the coach, the speaker, 
I mean, your your profession as a professional speaker and teaching others how to speak and succeed is just a wonderful example of how you take your innate skill and to be able to continue to offer it and share it. In all these conferences, you're, you're talking about these events and, and helping people plan and execute these events. And so that's the question. Like the, 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 the industry has moved a little and we're doing these digital events. They're doing these you know, global summits online. But the reality is people are already starting to, but they will get sick of being on Zoom conferences and the like, you know, watching their screens for eight hours a day. So the question is, what's next? Because especially, you know, especially in the event space, if you go, well, what, what are the opportunities? Well, you've got potentially two. You could move to sort of a television format and produce really high quality edutainment, you know, uh, training and things of that quality. That's that's certainly an option, uh, which is a bit of an investment in studio space and all sorts of training around that. The other is I was thinking about where where you're trying to raise money and you have one of those live television events, right? Telethons, yeah. Yeah, telethons. So a telethon is probably closer to what people are actually going to do because of the live experience and i remember the old telethons where it was all about how can you create entertainment and energy to keep people engaged (laughs) with these online events uh, that i've been running i think the first one i did was a three-hour piece they're incredibly tiring they're they're not like you think being on stage for three hours or what have you is tiring but it's nothing compared to trying to actually put that energy through a little camera to an audience and still manage a room that has questions and and, and has some sort of engagement Uh, so it's the whole thing's evolving Um, i'm really interested to see what happens because while everyone's talking about getting back to work maybe in a couple of months you know travel international it's it's not going to happen. I don't think this this side of twenty twenty one. So <laughs> it's going to be um, a fascinating global experience because there will be more of these online events because of the global nature of things. And so whoever cracks that nut, the, the person who does the first four minute of mile on that, uh, I think uh, will be a pioneer. How big will those events be? What do you think? Well, already, I mean, we've seen them run up to five thousand. Here in Australia, I think Canada, the Canada's Association, the Speakers Association over there, they were tr- looking to do a world record, which I believe was fifteen thousand people on at one time. They're going to be big. Uh, you know, you've got the big. Uh, I'm thinking, it, just even take the the religious uh, and, and church community. Some of their conferences are huge. We're talking about stadium sized conferences. I, I believe that's probably where you're going to see the biggest numbers. One of the things we're working on now is the, a lot of our our bookstores are closed down, and especially the the mom and pop ones are the ones that are really suffering now. Some are um, utilizing the, the shopping cart, and they literally have a, a drop off service. Or uh, you know, somebody buys the book that they want online. They've gone out to the company's site. The owner of the store is in the store fulfilling the order. And they literally walk outside to the stoop, set the package of books down, and then the driver comes up and picks it up, which is cool. One of the things that I'm working on now is kind of a virtual book event. So bringing three or four authors together for an hour and a half, two hours with the with the support of the bookstore to be able to host the event, you know, on, on a Zoom, kind of like we're doing right now, and you bring the authors together and bring them into a central location on the Zoom. Then maybe you put them in breakout rooms. But at the end of the day, there's links back to the bookstore's shopping cart. 
so the listeners can buy the books. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this has been done sort of uh, before any of this went down. I think whether you love him or hate him, Gary Vanderchuk is a great example of, of how you can take – he did wine library TV. He, he had a, a wine store, his, family, his family's wine store, and he would come online and introduce people to new wines and actually talk about them and sell them from that, from that process. Same thing can happen with books, I, I truly believe. Uh, there's the opportunity to have discussion groups right through through to literally showing people through your store because people can still be in the store. They're just <laughs> just the owner. Uh, but they're actually taking people on a, a little bit of a journey through um, through different types of books and new releases that are coming out. And I think the trick is, is learning how to sell without being too salesy. It's just the trick of finding their natural way of selling in, in that environment because it, it's nice to share, but at the end of the day, you still want to get used to want to move people to act. You still want to move them to buy. Right. And do you have a sense that some of the mom and pop operations, would they embrace these kinds of changes? Are they are they better prepared or less prepared? What do you think? I, I don't think they're less prepared than anyone because I don't think anyone was prepared for this. So it, it, it it's a case of their passion to, to evolve. Uh, there a lot of people who've moved to these little stores, whether they be cafes, uh, you know, little restaurants in in a, in a town somewhere, whatever it might be. It's almost like they've moved to a retirement. This was like their vision, and, and they've they've reached a certain point, and they want to stay there. They've sort of lost that that spark and evolution piece. So it'll it'll come back to whether they're they're actually ready to able financially to get to a, a retirement space and they'll probably move to that. Uh, but the alternative is that they will have to reinvent themselves in some way, uh, at least for the next year. Now, if they can survive the next year, uh, then maybe they can get back to to the old normal. But the world will have changed and, and I think other businesses will have sprung up different opportunities which will make a new type of competitive environment. Sure. Let's talk a little bit about yourself, Russell. I mean, if with this event, this crisis in hand, you're having to change up what you've done, what your your playbook has been, how has your business evolved as a result of this crisis? Well, funnily enough, I was I was relatively well placed. So two years ago, I had some of my own crises, <laughs> crises, <laughs> and uh, and I uh, reinvented myself. So I had a, a marketing business that had been running for thirteen years. I uh, had gone through some medical things and sort of woke up one day and said, um, "This is not working." And I had reached a point where the consulting arm of the business was over fifty percent, and I had you know I had quite a few staff on, but they were doing the production side, and I ended up deciding to sell that production side of the business. And I, and I made an agreement with myself almost just under two months to the day that I would, for two years, I would not <laughs> build anything new, right? Because I had a, a, a bit of a, a penchant to to always do that, to always build um, new businesses. And so I, I moved into a consulting space and developed sort of just quietly, just experimented, I guess, uh, with a lot of the publishing side of things, with the thought leadership side of things, but also the digital side. So in creating programs. So I'd actually set up the digital side of my business uh, to finishing some pilots, pilot programs in January. Uh, and so I was coming to the end of uh, a national presidency with Professional Speakers Australia, and I was going to be taking a break. And April was going to be my break month. Now, uh, we had everything sort of hit us on the sort of 14th of March, around abouts. 
and uh, the world the, the, and the plans changed. <laughs> the world changed, the plans changed. Uh, I lost half of my business in that week and uh, needed and was able to keep half, which was great, but needed to completely re-involve and actually move faster on my development pathway. So I've now launched the programs, the the digital programs, which are uh, which are great, and uh, I'm now moving into stage two of that, which is I guess it's not allowing myself to wait those extra two years. I've just lost the three months I, I gave myself, and I'm now moving into the building phase. I'm very happy with it, and it's uh, and this is the environment I not not the environment of virus that I wanted, but it's it's certainly the digital vo- the environment is what I wanted and. The difference for me now is that every man and his dog, every uh, every uh, speaker is now reinventing themselves into that same space. So I need to uh, make sure I'm staying ahead of that curve. Now, with your clients, are you literally building the airplane as you're flying it to deliver the service, the product, the digital opportunity for the client? Or do you, are you one of those, it's got to be perfect before I can let it out the door? I used to be one of those perfect uh, people and then what I realised is that, uh, and and I realised for my clients as well, that so many of them were building so many products and programs to perfection and then launching them to a market that really didn't want them. (laughs) So uh, my my mindset has definitely changed over the last few years and uh, while I already had programs built in place so I'm not building the aeroplanes, so to speak, I think it's not a bad uh, skill to get good at, which is to create offers to define what people want uh, as long as you know that you can fulfill and then fulfill them with the client. I think that's that's a better way of doing things because it allows you to um, not waste energy and at the end of the day, energy is all you've got. And in this environment in particular, uh, so you've got energy in the past that you've, you've spent, which is the money you've now got. You've got energy in the future, which is the time that you have. And if you run out of energy, if the business owner or founder runs out of energy, then the business stops. So it's, it's how do you manage that energy? And I think the best way to do it is create offers for your clientele and hopefully you know them well enough to create good offers. And then uh, when they want what you've got, work with them to create it. I, I love that because you're not just handing this off. Okay, have a good day. Let me know if you have any questions. You know them well enough that they can share with you and open up with to you. Here's what we're looking for. This is what we want to achieve. They know you've got the credibility to be able to produce and deliver, and then you're right there with them. I love that. Yeah, and some of that's in the expectation in the communication piece where you you really need to set an expectation of, I'm developing this for you and with you. Uh, if you're up for that, then we will make it the best program it can possibly be to suit you. So uh, the, they're usually, because of the relationship you've got, uh, happy to work with you in that, and you just need to be able to take feedback and, uh, and 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 listen for it. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, as you are producing these opportunities, this, these services and digital programs, um, you've got a family, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm separated, uh, and that, that's one of the things that happened a few years back. But uh, I do have three uh, daughters, and they're amazing, and uh, making sure that I have the time for them. And luckily, uh, the way Australia's got its rules is the families can work together in that environment. So my girls are uh, definitely a focus uh, and making sure that I get the time with them because the – 
not everybody has the same. I don't know if you've ever done love languages stuff, right? But uh, uh, there's these you know, five different love languages. It's great. If you haven't learned about it, go and have a look at it. It's fantastic. But my, but even my girls have these different ways of operating. Some of them like to talk. Some of them don't like to talk. They like to spend time with me. And so making sure that that I'm not just servicing a, a verbal need uh, is really important in this environment because I don't want to lose touch. Now, have you? Are you finding then the with this crisis in hand that you are? I don't know. I'm single, by the way, so I, I probably need the love languages. But <laughs> I, 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 are you finding that you're able to perhaps more efficiently allot your time to what's needed for the professional side of? Russell Pearson versus the personal side. Uh, I, I mean, the trick is that you're living in the same space, so it's about dividing that time up. Because I, I know early days, um, I was doing a lot of uh, producing a video in the first first two weeks. I think I was working off the laptop, and I want to I want to render the video. So I'd wake up at I think it was you know one o'clock in the morning and go oh I could actually just hit the render button right now and then I'd go and hit the render button and then I'd wake up at three o'clock and I go oh maybe I can just get another video started and just get that rendering and then <laughs> wake up at five o'clock and I started to you know there was a bit of a bad habit in that so I've, I've been very purposeful about um, you know where is the time for work and where is the time to to do leisure activities and there's a couple of interesting ones that I love to do uh, and and making sure that I'm clear about that. That being said, I've never been able to work uh, as much as now because of the commute. Uh, I don't need to travel between clients uh, in the same way. So there's probably about two, two and a half hours of extra time a day. I'm kind of needing it to produce in this environment. That's a wonderful thing, having that time. My commute is 50 feet from the bedroom to this (laughs) this desk. (laughs) That's right. Um, (laughs) You know, in in Las Vegas, where I will eventually be, there's a commute, but... uh, it's all good. The weather's warmer there. <laughs> what do you do to kind of keep yourself sharp while you are working, taking care of the family? What are you personally doing to stay sharp? So I, uh, I used to be uh, a deep reader. I would read a lot. Uh, and now I've sort of moved to an audio book platform and, and, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. But there's two things I, pr- I probably do to keep sharp. One, one on a personal side, I, I make sure that there's time to relax. And we can talk about the, the fun blacksmithing side of things that I do, which is uh, very physical versus a lot of the mental games that I play. The other side, what I, one of the things I've done is uh, created a discussion group, which is every single week. And I invite anyone you know, who's a business owner or an entrepreneur to come into that discussion group. And we just chat about what's happening. You know, what, what's working for you? What's not working for you? Uh, what are the challenges? And just that problem-solving uh, discussion piece, A, it's good to make you feel like you're not alone. But on the other side of it, 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 it helps you generate ideas in a way that uh, you don't get if you're working within your own world. So I created that on purpose. Yeah, I, I love the that idea of the discussion group or masterminding, whatever you want to call it. Is you know, it, one thing I've learned is you can't be inside this your four walls and not have any human interaction, uh, even if it's just professional work related interaction. You have to have outside stimulus to keep you sharp and, and sane. And there's and a diversity of thought in that too because uh, we're, we're uh, in a discussion group and a lot of the members come in, they're, 
yes, there's a few, quite a few speakers and thought leaders, but we've we've got a uh, a martial arts coach. Uh, you know, we've got someone who works, as, you know, in in trade. Yeah, there are all sorts of different businesses in there, and so looking at it from their perspective actually creates massive insights for your own business. Fantastic. Now you mentioned uh, Gan, and I mentioned it during the intro, blacksmithing. Tell us about that. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, you, you will have seen Forged in Fire, especially over in the US. It's, it's the blade-making show. Now, I, I saw that a few years back and uh, I thought, whoa, you know, I'm looking for something else in my life. I need a, like, I need a hobby. I need an outlet. Uh, and at the time I was looking on YouTube, I, I thought I'd get into, you know, doing a little bit of electrical engineering, but after, uh, shocking myself too many times, I thought that's not healthy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and no, not at all. So I thought I'd work with hot fire. Uh, no. <laughs> so I, I looked at, uh, at YouTube after seeing this fortune fire thing and realized that there were, there was this whole community of people who are hobbyists that are, that are learning to, to blacksmith by working and sharing a video of what they're doing and then working with the commentary and uh, people's advice and then just getting better that way. And I thought, I'm not handy. I'm not a, a handy person. I'm going to I want to develop that side of myself. And so I did and I actually recorded it all. Uh, so the first year uh, I recorded uh, every week uh, of my process. So I, I built my – well, I learnt to weld. I built my own forge. Uh, I, I then started creating my own tools. I actually made my own anvil. There's this in, insane little anvil that I've created. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and uh, and just the process of of creating something out of nothing because that's in a, in essence what I've done. I've taken scrap and create a, uh, created created. Uh, tools and then um and heirlooms and things out of this was incredibly joyful and uh and really uh really helpful to my soul i would say because uh when when i'm out there there's a meditative uh, process to it because there's there's hot very hot fire you turn your back on it you're going to get burnt and so the just the focus itself lets the rest of the world go away for a few moments allows you to get some physical exercise in and and you get to create i've loved that and uh and recently i've I've moved to a a new rental property here and uh i was thinking oh i i can't use the garage to do the same sort of blacksmithing because i'm using uh coke which is a refined coal right and so you don't want black smoke in this, you know, nice painted garage and what have you. And then once this isolation happened, I'm like, nah. I, I took the forge outside and I just started working outside. And uh, yeah, I haven't looked back. So I'm, I'm into uh, back into making things right through to making tools to to jewelry to blades, and uh, yeah, very fun. All right, so here's the request. Uh, you know, you, maybe you have it, but if you don't, I want you to <laughs> give your your smartphone to one of your children when you're out there the next time i want a picture of you hammering away and we're going to include that picture in the show notes uh, absolutely I've, I've got so yeah i could even you know i will get a new photo for you but yes there's the, there's plenty of that and I've, it's funny because uh I've, i looked at the space that i've got i'm like there's no way to do this and then i realized that really all i need is you know a two meter square and and that's what I found, and and yeah, there we are. There's a brilliant analogies to uh, to actually the forging work too, to to business, which have been uh, great little realizations as well. You know, you, you, in the crafting of a of a tool or even a even a weapon, uh, there's a process you need to follow so that it, it hardens the right way. It doesn't become brittle. It doesn't break. Uh, and you can bring all those analogies right into your business. 
Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's great stories and, you know, everybody needs that little piece of insight to be able to say, okay, I, you know, I can take what that nugget that Russell's just shared and now I've got something I can use going forward. You know, speaking of insight, we have a section, a, compo- a segment of our podcast and we call it the, you know, uh, the aha, the aha moment or insight to go. What would be the insight to go that you would want to share with our listeners? And it could be either the, your journey, a book, a quote, the experience of pounding on molten iron. <laughs> what, which, what would be your insight to go? Uh, well, I actually had one, but uh, since we've been talking, do you mind if I share two? You can share two. Please do. Okay. So, so one is the 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 fact that I'm bringing like even ideas of forging into what I do for a living, which is business strategy. I think everyone who's an author or a publisher out there who's looking at um, what stories should they be telling, I think look internal first because uh, you, you go and share all these case studies of big companies, Apple, you know, the classic one. You know, It's far better for you to, to work on your own intellectual property by looking internal and finding your own stories and your own analogies and actually using those to represent your, your teachings. So that's just one. I think that's, that's a useful tool. So what, what's, what's a tiny little thing about you that you can actually bring through to your storytelling? But I think in this environment, which is the one I wanted to actually share, which is in the old days, we used to have five-year plans. Well before coronavirus, uh, that was gone. And then it got down to, you know, we would have uh, three-year plans and then two-year plans. And really, before corona, you couldn't really plan out past 18 months because everything kept changing. And so now I think uh, for every business owner, entrepreneur, um, every thought leader, the, the, the realisation is that you can manage your current situation, you can manage your present uh, and then prepare for your future. But it's about being able to adapt to uh, what is the tiny yet powerful step I can take this week that's going to move me through to where I'm going. Yes, plan for the future. Yeah, absolutely. But the world will continue to change at a faster pace than ever before. So what is it you can do this week and potentially this month that will actually move you in a tiny yet powerful way toward where you're going? So I think momentum is key and that's the way forward to find these things that are so small that you can almost trip over them to achieve them. But deciding purposefully which tiny thing you're going to do to move you forward is uh, is crucial right now. I love that. I love that, Russell. Um, if our listeners would like to learn more about you and your work, where are the best places for them to go? Yeah, so uh, russellpearson.com is where you can find everything. That's got uh, the Forge community that I've got. It's got the Ignite program that I've got, uh, and it's got the marketing report podcast uh, which has got all sorts of uh, teachings for people but that that'll be the place to go there's also all sorts of socials and things but i'll uh, i'll leave that uh, maybe to show notes fantastic well we'll definitely put links back to russellpearson.com and again everything is there and uh, of course to your your social sites it has been an absolute pleasure to uh have you on the podcast and uh, i'm glad we found each other and i know just you know your experience and your insights and what you've shared. I mean, it's we're all on the same journey this day and age. I mean, uh, we're not that unique because we're all sharing this journey of waking up the next day and figuring, like you just said with the insight, what's my best next move today? 
what do I need to do? And taking care of ourselves and our family. And we really appreciate you taking the time to, to join us. Thank you for having me on, Howard. Really appreciate it. All right, folks, we have just been chatting with Russell Pearson, uh, again, business strategist, but multi-talented one. I will add designer, professional speaker, board member, president of the Speakers Association Australia, blacksmith, publisher, artist. So lots of uh, tools in his tool chest and really that insight to go that he shared about really taking those things that you need to do to succeed and, you know, breaking them into very discreet little bites that you can pursue and then build upon. So again, the metaphor we use here or have used in the past is the best next move, but you know, we are in strange times indeed, and there's definitely a need to take stock of you know who we want to be and what choices we need to make and who we want in our lives to join us on our journey. And just to, uh, again, to, to be safe and to take care of ourselves and, and our loved ones. So, folks, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. You can join us uh, on the Success Insight Podcast website. We are also on LinkedIn and Facebook. We have our business pages there as well, Success Insight Podcast. We are on YouTube as well as the podcast platforms uh iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Do let us know uh, what you think of this episode or any other episode, and I hope you join us. And again, I hope you're enjoying being a part of this family. So remember, folks, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go out there. Have a phenomenal day. Be safe. Take care of yourself. Take care of your loved ones. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Success Insight Podcast. Take care now. Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com.